This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to the September 1st episode of the Prospect Podcast. I'm actually recording this Monday night. I want it to be on Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms. By the time uh, Tuesday morning rolls around and we're into the month that we'll have NFL football and hopefully college football as well. Jumping right into the news, just a few minutes ago, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported Derwin James, six to eight months out with a meniscus injury. It's incredibly unfortunate. I mean, this is the third time in his college football and NFL career that Derwin James is going to miss considerable time, potentially an entire season with an injury to his knee. It happened in his second season at Florida State early in the year, obviously last season, um, and then now this latest meniscus injury. He was really the prototype, and still is technically, uh, of the modern-day second-level defender that can play any position. We're seeing so much and hearing so much about how this league is becoming positionless, even on offense with running backs and wide receivers kind of starting to be interchangeable or running backs that are really good at catching the ball out of the backfield or lining up in the slot. And then safeties that have to play in the slot, that have to be linebackers, that have to range from the deep middle. Derwin James can do all of those things. He was my number two overall prospect in the 2018 draft class, only behind Bradley Chubb. I'll never know why he lasted until the 17th overall pick. The Chargers had to pick him there. I mean, he was falling way too far. Uh, and that rookie season that he had, he was outstanding. He looked like a future superstar. And anytime he's been on the field, he's been incredibly impactful. We just haven't been able to see very much of him now entering what would be his third NFL season. And I, I don't know what it is with the Chargers. They They just seem to be... Uh, bitten by the injury bug every season to key players and this two weeks or fewer than two weeks out from the start of the season to have arguably their best defensive player along with Joey Bosa be lost for the season is just incredibly damaging for a team that was probably going to try to win with a really strong defense that had a, a talented secondary with Derwin James adding Chris Harris uh, Casey Hayward um and what they had up front with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and just winning with mostly with defense and conservative play from their quarterback, whether it was Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, 
now they lose the real quarterback of that secondary in Derwin James. Uh, they still have Desmond King as well, almost forgot him, and, and some young, fun players at the linebacker position, but you can't replace Derwin James. So it's very unfortunate for the Chargers. They're not in the easiest division. The Broncos are going to be better. There's the Chiefs, of course. And I think the Raiders are going to be a little bit better. I think Mike Mack has done a good job building that team um, on both sides of the football. So, no, it doesn't ruin the Chargers' season, but there will be games that the Chargers will be in that will be close, that they'll lose, and we'll think, man, if Derwin James was on the field, would he have broken up that pass or made that tackle on the outside? He could do it all, run defender, blitzer, cover the slot, cover on the outside. Did anyone else see some of those videos of Derwin James lining up and locking down Keenan Allen in one-on-one drills? At camp, I mean, it's incredible how much talent he has, and it's incredible how much time he's missed due to injury. Just unfortunate, kind of freaky injuries that he's had, even at Florida State, and then in his first, now three seasons in the NFL. The other bit of news today earlier, and I'll be brief on this because I don't want to really beat a dead horse here. Um, Leonard Fournette waved from the Jaguars. I was one of the many that was not super high on him as a prospect. He was my number five running back in that really talented 2017 draft class at the running back position. Uh, Joe Mixon was my top running back, then Delvin Cook, then Christian McCaffrey, then actually Marlon Mack. Really liked him coming out of USF. Leonard Fournette is not an elusive player. He's six foot, 240 pounds, so he's built like a fullback. Uh, ran 4-5, won at the combine. I see why Tom Coughlin, kind of a throwback head coach who was running the show in the front office for the Jaguars was so into Leonard Fournette because I think in the 80s Leonard Fournette would have been an all-pro every season. Um, but he just can't really make defenders miss. He can hit big plays if there's a good running at- or a good offensive line in front of him. Um, but that's really all that he brings. Dave Richard, our CBS Sports analyst who's been, or fantasy analyst who's been there forever seemingly, done a just does a great job every year on the fantasy side of things. So the first one that I saw point out that um, Leonard Fournette would make the most sense landing in Chicago. John Filippo's there. He was just the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. When Leonard Fournette got 100 targets, caught 76 passes last year, uh, averaged over four yards per attempt, uh, despite all those figures, there wasn't really a lot of buzz for Fournette to have this huge season, although I think some people did take him pretty early in fantasy. The last thing I'll say about this is that it was a little surprising to me because I thought the Jaguars would just let him play out his final season. The running backs are uh, Raquel Armstead and Divine Azigbo, and I actually liked both of those players relatively uh in their respective draft classes, or actually they both came into the league last year um, out of Temple and out of Nebraska, but there's not really established players whatsoever. There's Chris Thompson that they brought over from Washington. The connection with their new offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, makes a lot of sense, but he's more of a pass catcher, third down back than anything else. I guess they really want to see what these young players can do, and it makes sense because the Jaguars are rebuilding. I'm not going to say they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence, but I think the idea of potentially landing Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields probably is way more enticing to them than anything else at this point. Um, moving over to the draft side of things, there's two players um, that I want to talk about who opted out recently. Try to get to as many of these opt-outs as I can, especially if they are players that I think are 
within the first few rounds in terms of their talent or will be picked there in the 2021 draft. I'll start with Joe Tryon from Washington, the edge rusher. Kind of came out of nowhere last year, um, had a lot of sacks, led the team in sacks. Uh, six foot five, sleek player. I like that there's some bendiness to his game, and there's some semblance of a pass rushing move arsenal. He's not great in either area, but I think he's someone that if he tests really well at the combine, and of course we weren't going to see him play in the Pac-12 this season with the uh, conference canceling their schedule or its schedule, but I think if he tests well at the combine. The film that he put out there in 2019 was good enough that a team, say, in the third round could say, hey, this is like a traditional outside linebacker, pass rushing specialist. We're going to use him 30 to 40 snaps a game on those passing downs and just let him explode off the line, set him up with some twists because he is bendy, because he is long, he has good closing speed to the quarterback, uh, and just try to scheme him some production because at 6'5", with the length, I think you could add some weight, but you like that player. It's just a towering presence on the edge of your defensive line. So not a ton to get excited about with Joe Tryon, but I thought that um, at first I was maybe going to see a ton of scheme production. Some of it was, but I did see some traits, most namely the fact that he was pretty bendy around the corner for being a taller player, and I did see him use his hands to beat blockers occasionally in the run game, but mostly as a pass rusher, and he projects better. If you're going to be a specialist, uh, you need to be a, a pass rushing specialist as a defensive lineman, regardless of position, and that's certainly what Joe Tryon is. So he's a fascinating player when you get into the second, third, fourth round in the 2021 draft class because he gives you that specialty that's very valuable today. You can get after the quarterback. Uh, the other player, Kenny Gainwell, running back from Memphis. It's been fun watching Memphis during the scouting process over the past couple of years. Uh, Tony Pollard was very productive, kind of did it all. Antonio Gibson started as a receiver, made a ton of big plays. Then down the stretch, they started to hand him the football off as a running back, and he continued to make big plays. I don't know why he didn't get the ball more, but in watching that Memphis film, would continually see, okay, that's not Antonio Gibson, that's Kenny Gainwell. And I was impressed. I think Antonio Gibson's more explosive. He was six foot, almost 230 pounds of the combine and ran in the four threes. I don't think Gainwell has that kind of size and speed profile, but he's certainly uh, more experienced at the running back position, reads blocks better than Antonio Gibson did. Uh, he was really the workhorse in that offense this season. Some juice down the field. I thought his contact balance, his elusiveness was pretty good. Uh, both Tryon and Kenny Gainwell will be inside my top 100, uh, which actually the whole top 100 is not going to come out, just my individual one. Um, but I will have my top 32 out on Thursday with the five or six players that I like more than the rest. But just looking at this before, or my top 100 before recording this podcast, uh, I saw that those two players had opted out recently, I think in the last couple of days, and I saw Joe Tryon was in my top 100. Kenny Gainwell, two players I watched over the summer, and I thought, hey, these are good NFL players. I don't think they're stars. I don't think they're going to be out of the league in two seasons. Uh, and with Gainwell, there's not really a trump card to his game. Like a lot of these Memphis backs, uh, he can make catches out of the backfield. He's, he has good hands, and he's going to make people miss. And there's some there's a higher level of athleticism. I, I don't think he could really do anything, and I don't expect him to run in the four threes or to have a 42-inch vertical that could push him 
high into the second round. But like Joe Tryon, I think he'll be a serviceable player in the NFL that will probably go somewhere from the late second to the late fourth round uh, in the NFL draft. It's not a fantastic running back class, so that could probably help him a little bit after Travis Etienne. There's a lot of uh, unknowns, uh, but really what's the case for all of these opt-out players, especially the ones that, that could have had a chance to play this season, like Kenny Gainwell, uh, it's going to be really contingent upon what they do at the combine when it comes to where they're ultimately picked. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and watch both of them probably one more time before I put a final concrete grade on them before the draft, but I do think that they're both top 100 players um, just with the specialty that Joe Tryon gives you and how well-rounded Kenny Gainwell is and the fact that he's run between the tackles well, can get to the outside, has a requisite amount of athleticism, and can catch the football out of the backfield. All right, that'll do it for me today. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.